Mark Few and the Zags made an offer to a top 10 player in the class of 2024, Asa Newell. Could he be the next Gonzaga legend? Let's discuss. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another offseason of Gonzaga Athletics. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy June. Happy summer weekends. Always the absolute best thing in the Pacific Northwest. We are going to say goodbye to Spokane legend Neil Everett today. He is leaving ESPN after 23 seasons. We're going to do that to close out the show. We're also going to talk about Gonzaga's overall approach to recruiting in the transfer portal era, how that has changed, how that maybe hasn't changed, what we expect from that going forward. Before we do any of that, though, we got to talk about the player Gonzaga has most recently put an offer out to 2024 five star prospect Asa Newell. Newell is a six foot nine, 205 pound forward from Montverde Academy in Florida. If that school sounds familiar to you, it should. It is one of the premier high school basketball programs in the entire country. It is also where Philip Petrusev ultimately transferred and played his final year, maybe two years. I'm not sure exactly how long Petrusev spent at Mount Verde Academy, but he did play there uh, before, of course, coming to Gonzaga, uh, as well as Andrew Nemhard. Of course, Andrew Nemhard did not come directly from Mount Verde Academy to Gonzaga. He started at Florida with the Gators before ultimately transferring to Gonzaga. But regardless, this is a program that Gonzaga is familiar with. Newell also credited R.J. Barsh, Gonzaga's new assistant coach, took over for Roger Powell. Of course, Powell took the head coach job at Valpo. Very, very happy and excited for him. Barsh has made his name known for Gonzaga fans already, having come over and and done some really nice things on the recruiting trail, been helping them on the transfer portal uh, market as well. So really nice to see him be involved in this commitment, or this not not commitment yet. Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but in at least getting an offer out to Newell here. Uh, Newell is number 16 currently in the 24-7 sports class rankings for the class of 2024, but they also do composite rankings at 24-7 sports. Those composite rankings combine all of the other national uh, scouting rankings out there. They combine on three and ESPN and Sports Illustrated and uh, various other rankings that exist, and they come out with a composite list. On that composite list, Newell is ninth. So obviously uh, he's regarded as a top 20 prospect in basically every circle. It sounds like 247 Sports might actually be lower on him than many other places if he is top 10 in their composite rankings and just 16th in their uh, overall rankings individually. Uh, He has a ton of offers already right now. Georgia has offered him Indiana, Arkansas, and Alabama. They seem to always be out on the recruiting trail uh, for players similar to Gonzaga. Florida is involved here. Todd Golden uh, throwing throwing a uh, commitment, or excuse me, a offer out there as well for Newell. Michigan is one that just was recently picked up for him. He's already done a couple of visits, so he's already kind of been out exploring, looking at some of his options, uh, and for good reason. He's taken visits to both Georgia and Indiana. Those are the two known visits that we have seen for Newell. Uh, but again, he's a 2024 kid, so there's there's some time here. 
There's some time to do more visits. There's some time to do more exploration. He doesn't have to make a decision right away. It's something that we may not see a decision until well into the next college basketball season. If he wants to wait that long, we might see a commitment from him before the college basketball season, but not for a few months from now. Like there's the timeline in this stuff is never, never very easy to determine. Zoom Diallo is a player that Gonzaga has been interested in for a really long time. He has only recently released his final six, which does include Gonzaga. Very good news for Mark Few's program there, but Sometimes it just takes a while, and you can't blame these high school kids for wanting to make sure they get this right, even though, and we'll talk about this more in the second segment, you don't necessarily have to get it right as much as you used to in the past. And I don't think that, uh, and I'm, in fact, I believe uh, that a quote from Jalen Harrelson, who we spoke about last week on the podcast, he's a 2025 player, so he's probably only 16 or so. And he kind of talked about, hey, I know that the transfer portal exists, but you still want to get your first college decision right. Like you don't want to go somewhere with the intention of eventually transferring away. And I think that that's true with the exception of, uh, you know, I'm sure there are three-star guys or even two-star guys who who know that they're good enough to transfer to a mid-major and then transfer up. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, we have heard from many media sources that mid-major coaches are are kind of pushing that almost in a way of like, hey, come here, go average 18 a game for us, and then maybe you can transfer up and go to a bigger school. And it's not everybody loves that. I get that. I understand that that's not everybody's favorite thing. But by and large, these premier high school talents, they're trying to get it, they're trying to get it right the first time. They don't want to be be a five-star kid transferring multiple times the way that Efton Reed has already done in his career, uh, the way that many other players have already done. We saw Arterio Morris, one of the top 10 players in the recruiting class last year. He transferred to Texas, or he started at Texas, didn't play much last year, transferred to Kansas. Uh, there's a handful of other players in similar boats as well. But for Gonzaga, this is a player that we haven't really seen all of who he is yet. And the fact that he's already ranked in the top 15 top 10 in many places in his class is very exciting. I want to read you a quote here from an SB live article about Asa Newell. It talked about him as a quick, as a riser, somebody who is going to continue to rise up the ranks. Again, he is already pretty darn high on these ranks, but the six foot nine forward has some more growth to do. I'm going to read this direct quote here from this article at SB live about Newell quote, only at Mount Verde Academy could a player ranked in the top 15 nationally in his class be considered a breakout candidate for next season. Newell came off the bench this year for the number one ranked team in the country, but he consistently impacted the game in limited minutes with strong play in the paint. In 12 NIBC contests, the six foot nine junior finished seventh on the team in scoring and rebounding with 5.5 points in 2.4 boards per game. So basically, we haven't seen a fully unleashed Asa Newell yet. We haven't seen the best version of who he can be. But if you're looking to be a big man in college basketball and you want to play with your back to the basket, you want to score around the rim, you want to do that, Gonzaga is the place to go. Drew Timmy is one of the most prolific college basketball players of all time, and he did it primarily with his back to the basket. We saw him start turning and facing a little bit more last year. Certainly the three-point shot materialized at times last year, but was never, never a big part of his offensive game. Graham E.K. is probably going to be a similar player this year at Gonzaga. Not going to be as good as Drew Timmy. Again, that's not a knock on E.K. That's more of a Drew Timmy's one-of-one one type of comment. Uh, but but that's Gonzaga has developed these kind of – I mean, heck, Petrusev 
from Montverde Academy comes to Gonzaga and is a low post back to the basket score. I haven't seen Newell. I'm not going to pretend that I've watched a bunch of Montverde basketball, particularly a guy coming off the bench for that team, but he is a player to watch this year because he is going to take on a bigger role, almost certainly. And that's when we're going to get a sense of who is this player? What is he capable of being when he's not limited to a bench role? What is he capable of being when he's got the ball in his hands more? Because if Gonzaga's looking at a guy who's a top 10 prospect in the class of 2024, they're not looking at him as a bench option. They're looking at him as a guy to come. Maybe he doesn't start right away. That's okay. But maybe they bring him in to eventually be a guy who, who is their leading scorer, is their focal point offensively. We'll have to see more from him to kind of get a better sense of who he is, what he's capable of being. But it is an intriguing player to already have an offer out from Gonzaga. He is now one of three players in the class of 2024 that has an offer from Gonzaga right now. Zoom Diallo uh, from Tacoma, from Curtis High School, now at Prolific Prep in Washington. Again, he's down to six programs, including Gonzaga, as well as Florida State, Kansas, Arizona, USC, and Washington the other player that Gonzaga has offered in the class of 2024 is Chase McCarty. McCarty is a three-star small forward from Huntsville, Alabama. He just, just like a few days ago, finished a visit with Kansas. Uh, has a couple other schools that are already showing interest in him as well. But as we've talked about with Gonzaga before, they have prioritized adding players in the transfer portal and not focusing as much on adding players out of high school. Is that going to change how they continue to recruit high school talent? More on that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. I don't know how else to say this, so I'm just going to keep it simple. Bird Dogs shorts and pants, they make you look good. The Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. And look, all of us could use a little bit of help making our legs look as good as possible. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They also fit better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. How? Bird Dogs fixed this by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. It also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash college and enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, I promise. Bird Dogs, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day here on a Friday late morning afternoon. 
as many of you are checking out the show. Now, we got some fantastic stuff coming your way next week. I got a couple guests lined up that I'm very excited about that I know that you're going to be very excited about as well. We're also going to continue to keep up on the NBA draft as we get closer and closer to finding out where Julian Strother and Drew Timmy are going to play basketball next season. We're going to continue to look at uh, Gonzaga's roster. Are there going to be movement? Is there going to be adjustments? What's going to happen with that? We'll look at other sports as well, women's basketball. We'll look at uh, baseball finishing up their season or as they finished up their season. All of that stuff coming up uh, on what should be a very fun month of June here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Right now, though, I want to talk more about recruiting. We talked about Asa Newell in the first segment. We talked about how he has been recruited alongside Zoom Diallo and Chase McCarty in the class of 2024. But it's been noticeable that Gonzaga has recruited differently recently. And I think that's what I want to focus on a little bit. Have the Zags changed how they recruit in the transfer portal era? And it's very early to tell. And Gonzaga only very recently kind of dipped into the premier American talent market. I think it's worth noting that Gonzaga has been, you know, on this run since, since 2000 and they didn't land their first five-star out of high school until 2016 when Zach Collins committed in the 2016, 2017 uh, season, that was their first five-star and he, he barely snuck into the five-star conversation. He was a four-star when Gonzaga offered him, I believe. Uh, and then he got, he got bumped up to the five-star status before he ultimately came to Gonzaga one and done player lottery pick, uh, looked really good for the San Antonio Spurs last year, like truly earned that five-star moniker, but didn't really have it when Gonzaga was first recruiting him. Of course, that changed when they added Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren and Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman, all those guys, five-star players, and were five-star players when they were recruited by Gonzaga. Chet Holmgren, of course, the number one player in the country. That will never be broken. He will forever be Gonzaga's highest-rated recruit because it's really, really hard to be higher rated than Chet Holmgren was coming out of high school. But that was an anomaly. That was unique. That doesn't mean Gonzaga is not going to continue to get five-star players. Heck, they just offered one, as we just talked about. That could absolutely continue to happen for this program. Movement, conference realignment could change that significantly as well. And if we get an announcement about Gonzaga going to the Big 12, we're going to have months worth of conversations about what that means for Gonzaga. And among those conversations will be how it impacts them from a high school recruiting perspective, because it changes things very dramatically, very, very dramatically. But right now, it's interesting to see how Gonzaga is navigating the now multiple different ways to build a roster in college basketball because there are multiple ways to do it. It's not just high school transfers. It's American high school players. It's international high school players. It's junior college players, which is not a network that Gonzaga taps into much, but it does exist. It is Division II, Division Three basketball players. It is mid-major transfer recruiting, and it is high-major transfer recruiting. Gonzaga has, da- has, t- has dipped into many of these markets throughout their tenure of Mark Few being the head coach. And he has continued, and his staff, it's not all him, of course, uh, has continued to find ways to build elite talent, to build high-quality rosters that continually win the WCC, that continually make the NCAA tournament, that lately have continued to make Sweet 16s. He has found ways to do it often by kind of going in a different direction than other people. And this is a a cheesy, cheesy dad joke analogy to make, but when other people zig, they do genuinely zag. (laughs) Like in a lot of ways, that is something that they have always done. They were really early in on the international market before a lot of kind of other coaches started to figure out that that was a way to go and that Tommy Lloyd deserves a ton of credit for that. 
And that's why when, when Tommy Lloyd left, there was a fear that Gonzaga's international pipeline was going to dry up. It does not appear to be the case for Gonzaga because they've added uh, Jun Suk Yo from South Korea. And I, I'm very excited about what he brings to this team. Alex Tui coming over from Australia. Uh, they were really in on a lot of other international players this this cycle as well. They brought uh, Elaine Fibliou from uh, France. He came to campus. He sent, spent the entire game watching a game with Killian Tilly. They talked, they chatted. He ultimately ended up committing to UCLA, but Gonzaga and UCLA were the top two options there. So Gonzaga is not done on the international market at all. But in the last couple of years, it's noticeable what their recruiting has looked like. In the 2022 offseason, they added one high school player, Braden Huff, not a top I think he was barely top 100. I think he was 95th in the 24-7 rankings. And I'm not saying those rankings are accurate. Braden Huff might come in and be awesome. And in fact, we're going to have a show on him very soon talking about who he is, what he might do, all that good stuff. But that was the only high school player they added in that cycle. They added two players from the transfer portal in Efton Reed and Malachi Smith. That offseason was kind of wonky because they didn't know what was going to happen with Bolton or with Strother or with Timmy. And I think it kind of altered some of their... Uh, plans and, and kind of put them in a spot where it was a little bit harder to, to, to make some of the additions they maybe thought they were going to make. The 2023 offseason, so far, maybe not done, but so far they've added one high school player from America, Dusty Stromer, two international players in Yo and Tui, as we talked about, and then three players from the transfer portal in Steel Venters, Ryan Nemhard, and Graham E.K. So in the last two years, they've added two American high school players, Braden Huff and Dusty Stromer. They have added two international players, and they have added five transfers. That is how they are building their roster right now. They are building their roster through the NCAA transfer portal. And I don't blame them, because Mark Few can figure out how to add players who are one-year stopgaps, the way Malachi Smith was. Maybe they hoped Malachi Smith would be a two-year stopgap. He chose not to be. I think they only expected Rasir Bolton to be a one-year stopgap, and he, of course, spent two years on campus as well. They're adding younger guys who they hope develop in the system. Didn't work with Efton Reed, but that was the plan. The plan was to bring him in as a guy who kind of can can develop and, and, and turn into that type of, of talent in this program. So they have, you have different ways you can build in the portal. You can add guys from smaller schools and hope that they can step into different roles like Malachi Smith, you know, brought in being the guy who played 36 minutes per game at Chattanooga and he comes off the bench. You can also bring in guys to just be dominant stars right away if you need them to be. Brian Nemhard is going to be a dominant star for Gonzaga right away. Andrew Nemhard more or less was. He, he kind of played second fiddle to Jalen Suggs in his first year, but it was only because he was, found out he was eligible five days before the season started. The original plan was for him to sit out that year and then be a dominant star the next year. He was a really good player and then a dominant star the next year for Gonzaga on that team with Chet Holmgren, Andrew Timmy, and everybody. So Gonzaga has figured out that they can build this way. And of course, the NIL era is going to continue to change that. Uh, certain players are maybe not going to consider Gonzaga because of that. Uh, those are players who might not have considered Gonzaga regardless anyway. Uh, I think there's also a bit of an overblown conversation about, oh, Gonzaga's not going to be able to pay certain players. They're not going to be able to afford certain players. Gonzaga's going to be able to afford who they want to afford. I think that's the simplest way to put it. Gonzaga wanted Ryan Nemhard. They landed Ryan Nemhard. They landed him over Arizona. Did they pay him more money? I don't know. I don't know the figures there. I don't know what Arizona offered. I don't know what Gonzaga offered, but they landed him. Which either means he didn't care as much about the money or he did get more money or it was a negligible difference and he chose to go to the program that turned his brother into a all NBA caliber or all rookie caliber point guard in the NBA. Who knows? 
But it's interesting to see how Gonzaga is continuing to build their roster because we saw this uptick right before kind of the the transfer portal era really opened up and everything. We saw this uptick in Gonzaga recruiting high school talent out of the States, something that we hadn't necessarily seen from them before. They obviously landed very good players from the United States in previous years, extraordinarily good. But they were often players who developed within the system. Adam Morrison wasn't a highly ranked player out of... Uh, Mead High School in Spokane. You know, he wasn't. Derek Rivio wasn't a highly ranked player in the United States. Jeremy Pargo, Dimitri Goodson, Gary Bell. You know, those guys weren't Stephen Gray, Matt Bolden. Matt Bolden was a decently high-ranked prospect. Josh Perkins, decently high-ranked prospect. Not five stars, but good ranked prospects. Corey Kispert was outside the top 100. Like these, these guys were very, very good Gonzaga basketball players. Many of them became NBA players, but they were not super highly rated high school players. Of course, Gonzaga's international pipeline has been extraordinarily strong forever. Roni Turioff, Kevin Pangos, Rob Sacre, Killian Tilly, Rui Hachimura, DeMontis Sabonis, Shemek Karnowski. The list goes on and on and on and on. That has been a huge part of who Gonzaga is, and it's not going away. And in fact, I think it's possible Gonzaga kind of continues to tap into that market a little bit more as teams start to focus more on trying to add all of their talent through the transfer portal. I wouldn't be surprised to see Gonzaga continuing to look internationally for a couple of reasons. One, I think Gonzaga has found a, that this has, has always worked for him. It has worked for them. I mean, they've, they've had misses and I hate to say it because I love this young man, but there was more expectations that Martinez Orlauskas would turn into a a bigger contributor for Gonzaga than he ever did. He ended up being an exceptional teammate, an exceptional friend, a very fun person to have in the program, but He never really played, and I don't think they brought him here with that in mind. That's just what happened. Pavel Zakharov didn't last very long, and he was a pretty highly ranked prospect. Sometimes guys internationally don't work, but for Gonzaga, their hit rate is really high, really high. And I don't think that's going to change. And I think that there is maybe an element of being able to bring those guys in and expect that they're more willing to develop in the system. You know what I mean? you're less likely to transfer after one year if you're still learning kind of the culture, still learning the ins and outs of, of college in America, still learning just this, the Mark Few system and all that. I think players are more likely to stick it out. And I don't think Mark Few is viewing it necessarily that way, but I think that it is a, a benefit of bringing guys in and knowing that this is somebody, because Mark Few, one of the best things this program does is develop talent over a couple year period of time. They're exceptional at it. You don't need all the stories. Joe Eliai, Rui Hachimura, DeMontis Sabonis, Shemek Karnowski. The development that those guys had from year one to year whenever they finished was exceptional. For Sabonis, it was two years. For Shem, it was five. But there's, the development is always there. And if Gonzaga can continue to tap into that market, continue to con- have those pipelines open, continue to find players like Yo and Tui who are going to be on similar similar progressions, why wouldn't you keep doing that? And I think that's what we're going to continue to see. Does that mean less high school recruiting in the States? Probably. It probably does because they're going to continue to add players in the transfer portal and they're going to continue to add players uh, in the international market. And eventually you just can't keep adding players. You run out of spaces. So that's kind of an expectation that I have going forward for this team. Could I be wrong? Of course. Could it, could it be the plan right now and change in a month, a week, a year? Yes, absolutely. Again, a move to the Big 12 changes all of this in a significant way. Does it completely revamp how Mark Few recruits? I doubt it. But it changes what is available to them in a significant way. 
So this will be an ongoing conversation, something we will continue to discuss on this podcast as things continue to change in an era of constant change in college basketball. Well, Gonzaga has a, had a big supporter at ESPN since 2000 and Neil Everett, but he announced recently his time with the network is coming to an end. More on what that means and a good goodbye to one of our best friends in the media, Neil Everett, coming up right after this. All right, folks, closing up the show, talking about Neil Everett, the Spokane legend who is ending his tenure at ESPN after 23 incredible years with the network. Neil Everett was born in Portland, but he was raised in Spokane. He went to Lewis and Clark High School here in Spokane, went back to Oregon, uh, got his college degree at Willamette University in Salem, and then went to the University of Oregon before starting his career on the Oregon coast, which is where I just was, part of why we did not have an episode on Thursday. Uh, Shout out to Neil Everett for being out on the Oregon coast for a while. He spent 15 years working in Hawaii before he ultimately eventually landed that job at ESPN in 2000. For those of you who are maybe not as familiar with Neil Everett and his connection to Spokane, who maybe don't watch a lot of ESPN basketball, Everett used every opportunity to talk about people who are from Spokane, formerly from Spokane, spent any time in Spokane, looked at Spokane, any connection that they may have had. He mentioned it on the broadcast. He put Spokane on the basketball map in a way that no other individual person did outside of, I guess, Mark Few. I guess I guess we'll give Mark Few more credit than Neil Everett for expanding Gonzaga's kind of reach, especially within the ESPN market. But Neil Everett did a ton. He did a ton. And I don't think he would ever take credit for it because that just doesn't seem like the kind of person that he is. But every single time Gonzaga was mentioned on the broadcast, Neil Everett called them America's team. Every time. Former America's teamsman, Roni Turioff. Former America's teamsman, Dan Dekow. Former America's teamsman, Zach Collins. Kelly Olenek. DeMontis Sabonis. Whatever it may be. Heck, anytime the Texas Rangers were on TV... Now the Colorado Rockies, but for a long time, it was the Texas Rangers. Anytime the Texas Rangers were on TV, if Neil Everett knew that they played for the Spokane Indians, former Spokane Indian Ian Kinsler, former Spokane Indian Michael Young. Now, of course, former Spokane Indian and former America's teamsman Gabriel Hughes. Shout out to Gabriel Hughes, by the way, for getting called up to double A right before I was going to go see him in Hillsboro. Huge bummer. He was going to pitch 10 minutes from my house, 10 minutes from my house against the Hillsborough Hops, got called up that day. Life happens. Wish I got to see Gabriel Hughes. That was going to be this final segment here, but we get to talk about Neil Everett instead. And I love, love, love Neil Everett. Him and Stan Verrett together, ESPN late night anchors starting in 2009 was just one of the, in a, on a network that often gets criticized, justifiably so, for having talking heads who don't know the game or who are not passionate about the game or who are only talking about surface level things. Oh, they're only talking about LeBron. They're only talking about the Lakers. They don't even know how to talk about the Denver Nuggets. That's been the narrative we've seen lately. And I don't disagree with most of that narrative. I really don't disagree with any of it. But Neil Everett shined. And Stan Verrett giving him his flowers and saying how much he loved working with him. Scott Van Pelt said some wonderful things about Neil Everett as well. And those are some of the best. When ESPN's at its best, it's guys like that. And losing Neil Everett is a bummer. It's a bummer. He worked for the Portland Trailblazers, by the way, and he's hoping to have his role increased with the Portland Trailblazers after this move. So it's not all bad by any stretch of the imagination. Many of you out there are Portland Trailblazers fans. Neil Everett doing more with the Blazers, objectively good thing. Nothing wrong with that. 
I think it's poetic that Neil Everett started his ESPN career in 2000 because we talked about how he helped raise the bar, elevate Gonzaga in a way just by talking about them on ESPN whenever he could. Mostly kind of cheesy ways, joking ways. Former America's teamsman when talking about Rooney Turioff is just kind of funny. Not necessarily super serious. But it happened the same year. In 1999, Neil Everett didn't work at ESPN. Gonzaga was not known by anybody. By 2009, Neil Everett was the lead anchor on ESPN with Stan Verrett. And Gonzaga was known by way more people. By 2019, Neil Everett was an established 20-year veteran at ESPN, had been there for two decades. Anybody who watched sports knew who Neil Everett was. Likewise, Gonzaga had been in the NCAA tournament for two straight decades. They had been doing the dang thing forever. They were starting to get five-star talent. They were starting to show up in those commercials. They were starting to show up in conference realignment conversations. Gonzaga had made it. They were squarely on the map. So was Neil Everett. I think that's beautiful. Maybe that's a little cheesy. Maybe it's just, I mean, it's entirely coincidental. Not maybe. It isn't 100% a coincidence that those two things happen to happen at the same exact time. But it puts Spokane on the map in a sports world in a way that they hadn't really been before. They've had really talented athletes prior to 1999. John Stockton, of course, came from Spokane. Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famer for the um, uh, the Chicago Cubs. He's from there. Uh, Mark Repian was from there as well, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Like They've had premier talent come out of the city of Spokane. But Gonzaga really put Spokane on the map in a significant way starting in 1999. And Neil Everett was along for that entire ride of the SPN. And I just think that's really, really cool. That's going to do it for us today and for this week. So happy weekend, everybody. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a fantastic one. Next week, we're going to come back. We're going to continue to look at Julian Strother and Drew Timmy and what's going on with them in their NBA draft workouts. We're going to keep you up to date on Rasir Bolton and Malachi Smith as well. Malachi Smith just had a workout with the Portland Trailblazers. After working out with the Toronto Raptors, he is continuing to make the rounds, getting his workouts in as well. We'll continue to keep you updated on that. Any more roster movement, transfer portal stuff that may happen, and of course, recruiting as well heading into the rest of the month. All right. Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend and go Zags.